Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you. Who wants to keep watching the video? It's very soothing, isn't it? It's beautiful. The symmetry, the, the art of it. It's a, a wonderful thing. Anyone ever do that work before on a wheel like that? You've done that? A few people have. Oh, wow, what a, what a great gift um, to be able to do that kind of work. Well, I've been watching some videos and even learning new lingo like that. I now know that it's called throwing. Like you throw a, 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 a mug on the wheel. This idea of throwing is an old English word of turning. And it's an interesting kind of subculture um, that is there. Um, it's beautiful to watch and to see. And this is exactly what uh, Jeremiah today is going to teach us. We're going to take a field trip, all of us, uh, along with Jeremiah, to the potter's house. And there are going to be things he wants us to see, uh, to witness, along with Jeremiah. But those things will also then be a bigger uh, metaphor to teach us something. Uh, there are going to be some truths that we're going to witness at the potter's house that is going to inform us and teach us some things about God and some teach us some things about ourselves and about the world that we live in. That's why we have gathered uh, to examine God's word and to see what he is speaking into our lives. Be attuned. Be, be open to hearing what, he is, what he's going to say to you uh, through his word um, this morning. And uh, if you're new to our church, a very special welcome. And uh, we use these little Bible journals. It's simply God's word on one side. It's blank pages on the other. If you like to take notes, you like to draw pictures, you like to write things down, uh, this is what we will use for the next number of weeks until we get to Easter. Uh, these are little blue books. They're always in the back there. You can grab one even right now if you want one. Uh, you can go and get one. Um, hopefully that is a tool for you. And even as you kind of see where we're going to be in the weeks to come and for next week, we're going to be in chapters 21 and 22 and 23, just to kind of see, like, well, what is God's word uh, saying? And maybe some time of reflection um, in that. All right, so let's uh, open up God's word together. We're going to be, again, in Jeremiah. Hopefully you have your Bible with you or that journal. Uh, it'll be on the screen in front of you um, as well. We're going to be in chapter 18. And in chapter 18, verse 1, this is how it begins. Here's how our field trip begins. It says this, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. All right, we're going to stop there. Uh, the potter was the one in the community who was making all of these earthwares that the people would use. They'd buy from him. Uh, some kind of jar, some kind of cup, some kind of mug, something of that sort. He was the one who created all of this. And you can tell it's uh, because of a wheel, uh, not electricity, <laughs> but uh, it would have been something, your foot spinning something that's connected to another wheel to have this spinning table that could then work and form something um, to be sold. And it was a very patient process. Nothing was rushed. 
And as you can tell also that there are times that the potter is going to come to something. You notice in the text where something doesn't go right. There is something, he uses the very interesting word there, there is something spoiled. Something spoiled. Some translation said there was something that was marred in the clay. Something wasn't quite right. And so this week I was talking to someone who knows, who does this kind of work, and I said, what is that? Like, what is that spoiling in the clay? And this person said, there are just things you can't see, but as you're spinning, as you're working clay, there are sometimes air bubbles in the clay, or there's some kind of sediment that's in the clay. Maybe there's something that, there's a dry spot. There is something that is going wrong. It inevitably happens when you are spinning, throwing uh, on the table. But notice also what's happening here. There's nothing that fazed the potter. There wasn't like this was a big surprise, like, oh, no. It's simply it is something that is then reworked. That's the word there. Something is reworked. There's another direction that is taken, another creation, a different vessel that is formed. All right, so that's what we witnessed. That was uh, our time on our field trip. We have now taken it all in. You've seen it. You have watched. You have heard. And now we get to the classroom portion. Because now God wants to say, okay, Jeremiah, you saw all these things. You experienced it. Now I want to teach you some things that you need to know because of what you witnessed. And there are going to be three truths that we're going to look at, that we're going to learn from the potter's house. Three truths. And these three truths really speak into three different stories. It's going to, these truths are going to speak into the story of Jeremiah in the immediate context that he was living as the prophet 2,700 years ago, it's going to speak into that story. It's also going to speak into a story that happened a long, long time ago. It's going to bring back memories of of things that happened maybe all the way at the very beginning in the book of Genesis. But not only those two stories, but also our own story. That's what we're really here for. What does what we're reading in Jeremiah have to say to my life in 2022 living in Kent, Ohio? Like, what does this have to do with me? May we be listening for that part of the story um, as well. All right, so three truths, three different stories. And the first truth is now going to be explained to Jeremiah as we continue in verse 5. This is what God's word says as it continues. Then the word of the Lord came to me. This is now Jeremiah. came to Jeremiah. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter has done? Declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. All right, so the first of the three truths that we're going to see is is a truth about God himself. And this is the truth, that God is absolutely in control. He even asked the question, can I not do what the potter has done? You you saw what the potter's doing. He's the one that's in control. He's the one who is forming and shaping. Can I not do what he does? That's who I am. 
And he says it very clearly. You, you, you are in my hand. You. And when he speaks of you, he's speaking at multiple levels of you. He's speaking about kingdoms and nations kind of you. He's also speaking about you as an individual. Like he has that kind of sovereign control. He's that kind of God. He's over planets. He's over nations. And he also knows the number of hairs on your head. That is his sovereign control over this world. Now, for Jeremiah's story, this was very comforting because this is what the people needed to hear. They were living in a time when there was a threatening enemy. Babylon was at their doorstep, ready to take them over. A country that's ready to invade and take things Sound familiar? (laughs) Not only that, but they had their own internal problems. I mean, king after king after king after king did evil in the sight of the Lord. Oh, my goodness. But Yahweh is saying, I'm sovereign even over that, too. What? You're sovereign over bad leadership, even. Yes, I, yes, I am. And let alone all the famines that were happening, the lack of water, the cisterns are empty, what do we do? God is absolutely in control. He is forming clay. You, you are in his hand. And Jeremiah needed the people to know this. Where does this truth come from? I mean, that's nice right there in Jeremiah chapter 18, but I want to show you that this is something that the people would have heard these words, and they were familiar words. They inform maybe something that went a long time ago that would help them root the truth of what they're hearing into something that was said much earlier. These verses from, from Genesis, I, I want to show you that there are some words that are repeated that also find their way uh, in Jeremiah chapter 18. I, I'm going to read them and then I'll, I'll explain. All the way back to Genesis chapter 2. This is long before. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden and the east, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. All right, so that word formed is the same Hebrew word of potter, the potter. So notice this, that long before Jeremiah chapter 18, our God was in the business of forming. He has that kind of authority. And notice what he's forming with. He's forming with dust. He's forming dust, and he's creating life. That's the kind of control he has. Bringing something of life from dust. That's the kind of forming power that he is about. And so the potter was at work long before Babylon was threatening Judah. Our God has been absolutely in control for a long, long time. Now, it's those two stories that then inform our own story that our God is still sovereign. He is still 
firmly in control. And see, we need to be reminded of that because we live in a world that seemingly is out of control. The last couple of weeks, this is the most dominating story that we keep hearing over and over and over again. It's bothersome. I've been to this city. I explained a couple of weeks ago in Kharkov. I've been there. I, and to see the images and the bombing, and it's like, what is going on? God, what are you doing? And there's something that I need to know, and I need to see from God's word that can help me. And it, it, the truth is this, that Ukraine is in the hands of the potter. We believe that, right? Russia is in the hands of the potter. We, we believe that too, right? The United Nations are in the hands of the potter. And I'm not going to say that I can even begin to understand or comprehend the bigger reasons of why. I'm not here to do that. I don't know why this is happening, but here's what I do know. God's word reminds me that he is still sovereignly in control. I rest in that. I don't understand it. But his ways are not my ways. But I'm resting in that. I cling to that. Now that's at the level of kingdoms and nations. But I also believe that about my own individual life. Because I realize that people walk into this room and the story of what's going on, you're like, oh my goodness, things are spiraling out of control. And that's why the words of Isaiah that you heard Mary read are hopefully encouraging. When Isaiah says, but now, O Lord, he was in pain. O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. He is firmly in control of your individual life. Your marriage is sovereignly in his hand. Your singleness is sovereignly in his hand. Uh, your work status, maybe you're unemployed, is sovereignly in his hand. He sees that. Uh, the bully at school, uh, the things that aren't fair, he, he knows. He sees. He's in control of what is happening in your world. We trust that. We know that. That's what, that's what Jeremiah wanted. Uh, that's what God wanted Jeremiah to see at the potter's house that day. Truth number one, that our God is absolutely in control. Allow that to seep into um, your soul, your conscience um, this morning. You might need to hear exactly that. All right, so that's truth one. Truth number two is now we're going to continue on in verse seven. We're going to see something else. Let's read a few verses and we'll explain. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it, and if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. Now therefore say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, 
Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return every one from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. All right, we're going to pause there because the second truth that Jeremiah is learning at the potter's house is this, that mankind is responsible for evil. You can't miss this theme in Jeremiah. Over the weeks we've been looking over and over again, Jeremiah has been repeating this and telling this story. He is the prophet that is desperately wanting the people to know. He's the mouthpiece of Yahweh, and he's constantly telling them, enter into a covenant relationship with Yahweh. It's not too late. Come on, do this. And he wants them to enter into a relationship. He wants there to be this faith. That's how you enter into a relationship with God. Back then, still true today, by faith you enter in, you trust him with everything. And then out of that trust, you then walk with him. It is this relationship of trusting and obedience. But what we see over and over again in the story that Jeremiah is speaking to is that the people love, love, love evil. That's the word that's even mentioned numerous times. It's, and if you've read these chapters this past week, it goes from uh, things of idol worship to much darker things. I don't know if you read in, in these chapters, but it goes into the darkness of even child sacrifice. To which God says, what are you thinking? Those aren't even my thoughts. But mankind is evil upon evil and even inventing ways of evil. What's the problem? The problem is there is a problem at the level of the heart of man. There's a heart problem. Jeremiah has been using the word heart over and over again. And even verse 12, as we continue, is the declaration of the people. And they even say it. Notice what their words say. But they say, that is in vain. We will follow our own plans and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil. Let's all say it together. Heart. That's the problem. And the people recognize it. We have an evil heart, and we're actually kind of okay with it. We're going in our own paths. And they even say, this is in vain. Jeremiah, what you're speaking of is in vain. It's a word that means it's hopeless. You're speaking of things that are hopeless. We want to speak of things that we're finding our own hope in, and it happens to be our own truth, our own heart, our own ways, our own evil. That's what we are resting in. Now, this is the story that Jeremiah is wrestling with. But these were not surprising words because these words also point to a deeper truth that came all the way from the very beginning. Now, what I'm going to show you is a verse from the New Testament that's going to leapfrog Jeremiah and speak to the condition of man's heart all the way back in Genesis. In the book of Romans, this is what the Apostle Paul would say. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. 
there's that truth. It, it's repeated at the potter's house, but it speaks to the deepest truth that goes all the way back to Genesis, that mankind is solely responsible for his own evil. And it says it right here, death spread to all men because all sinned. All sinned. You can't blame God. God made me do it. Or, or how about the devil made me do it? No, our evil, our sin comes at our own responsibility. God's word is very clear that that is the story of our stubborn, evil hearts. And so it's those two stories, a story of origin in what we see at the potter's house that then speaks into our, our own story. And we know this to be true. We are people who are, who are bent towards evil. That is our inclination. We go against what God wants. And it spans from things of our, our human pride to the lusts of the flesh. At times we like to couch it as no big deal. It's a, some white lies, a, a little gossip here, a little porn never hurt anybody. All those things are evil. And we, we have to face up to it that we are the ones who are responsible for that kind of sin. And so this is really, as Jeremiah was watching the potter, this is the spoiled portion of the clay. It's like, what do you do with that? How do you work with something that is broken and marred? And so, so far, we've gotten two truths down. And at times, they're even hard to hold together. But the Bible affirms that God is in control of everything. Mankind is responsible for his own evil and sin. Okay, but now there's a third truth. And this is why we've gathered. Because this third truth is going to speak something of encouragement and challenge for everybody who is here in this moment. There's, there's good news that is coming. It comes in the midst of the potter, seemingly not satisfied with what he was forming in verse 4. Did you notice in verse 4, the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And notice what happens. He reworked it into another vessel. You see, the intention that the potter had is now going in a new direction. With all of this marring in the clay, with all of this, with this bad spot, with the problem that he has come across, the, the potter is now reworking the clay. And in the verses that we read earlier, the explanation of that in verse 8 is this new reworked vessel. It says, And if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And so here's the idea that's going on at the potter's house. God is sovereignly in control, and he will judge evil hearts of mankind. That's what is being formed and created. But then there's something remarkable that happens. Did you notice what happens? There's, the assumption would be that the potter would pick up that marred and bad piece of clay, and who needs that? And you toss it away. That's not what this potter does. He actually takes the clay and he is reworking something. He's going in a different direction. And in verse 8, it says he's actually a God who is relenting. He's relenting. 
And so the great truth, along with what we see in Jeremiah that we see at the potter's house, is this truth, that our God offers mankind the gift of reworking and relenting. Is anybody happy about that kind of news? That he is the God who offers relenting and reworking and reconciliation. I don't know about you, but that is great news. Because he has every right as the sovereign God to take the marred, evil, sin, clay, and toss it away. He has every right to do that. He is sovereign over all. Yet he doesn't. Out of his patience, out of his grace and mercy, he offers to rework and to relent. Some people have said, wait a second, him relenting, that wasn't he sovereignly in control and now he's going a different direction? He didn't see that coming? Of course he did. He's sovereign. Relenting doesn't relinquish his sovereignty. It is this story of, of compassion and grace that we're seeing at the potter's house it speaks of his grace from the very beginning. He showed grace and mercy to Adam and Eve as well. To all those who would come, he is a God of grace and mercy, reworking, relenting, reconciliation. This is the kind of God that we worship. And this is the same God who does this kind of work, not only in Genesis and in Jeremiah, but he is doing that kind of work Today, in, in this moment, maybe. He, he might be turning a heart that is stubbornly affected by sin. He might be in this moment saying, now is the moment. I'm calling you to come to me. I believe he uses churches in moments like this on a Sunday mornings to turn evil hearts into a different direction. He's, he's wanting to rework and remake and he does that through a gift. What, what gift does he offer? The Apostle Paul, now I'm looking into the New Testament, has a passage in 2 Corinthians. Um, notice this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there's the gift he offers, by the way. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new vessel is, is being made. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our God is on mission from the very beginning of showing patience and mercy and kindness and grace. And he's been doing that all along. And now in 2022, he's still doing that. Do you know this story of grace? Do you know this potter? Do you know him? He's, he wants to rework something in you that is marred, something that is spoiled, your evil heart that you inherited a long, long time ago. He wants to rework that because if you don't deal with that, there is danger ahead. We're going to get to that in a moment. 
But in this moment where we have breath in our lungs, the clay is still being molded and shaped. There is time. There is time to hear the story of grace through Jesus Christ. Do you know that story? If you want to know more about that story, afterwards I'd love to speak with you. The little booklet's in front of you called The Story, Tell That Story of the Gift that He Offers. But not only is there something of encouragement at the potter's house, but there's something also of challenge. It comes in the next verse that the Apostle Paul would say in in verse 18. He would then continue on. Not only are you a new vessel, a new creation, but then he says, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now he invites you to be a part of his mission. You're not the potter, but he uses you to tell his story. The potter's story. The story of how you've been reworked and remade. How you are a new creation. See, that's his, that's his story that he wants to tell to the people around you. Because he wants to remake your neighbor. He wants to relent of his, his anger against somebody in your immediate family. He wants to form a new heart with somebody who is a friend. He wants that kind of relationship. He wants to use you for his ongoing mission of molding and shaping and reworking that you experienced. He wants that for the world. How can we, this week even, think about how we can tell that story of the potter to somebody? Think, how, how will the Lord lead us to tell that kind of story of the potter? May we be open to that. This is critical because, because we then get to chapter 19. I'm not going to read it to you, but it's, it's the field trip part two. Back to the potter's house, and if you read, he tells Jeremiah to buy some pottery. He buys it. He then invites some people from the local congregation out to uh, the garbage heap. And he takes that pot and he smashes it. And the people are like, you just ruined something that was perfectly fine. What's the point? The point is this. There is a moment when the clay will not be able to be formed anymore. There, There is a moment when everything will stand still in the clay, and that will be your answer. And it won't happen until you take your last breath or until he comes back again. But there is a moment of judgment that is coming. That is why this is critical. Now is the time to tell the story of the potter, to tell your story of of remaking and reworking and reforming so that other people will be like, ah, yes, I too want to know that potter as well. May we be used right here in our own families, our own context, and right here in Kent, Ohio. Man, there is a story of reworking that needs to be told so that other people 
and maybe even college students who go to this university need to hear that story of the potter who's relenting and reworking out of his grace and mercy and love for them. We're going to pray to those ends that he would do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you for um, a field trip of sorts that we could take with Jeremiah. That They speak of such deep truths. The truths of who, that tell us who you are, the, the truths that, that speak to your mission, speak to our own identity of sin. All of these things are brought out in this metaphor at the potter's house. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be people who are first reworked vessels, remade, and many of us have that story to tell. And then may you use these stories to point to your ongoing mission right here. There's a lot of work to be done. And we're not the ones who take the brunt of that work. We're used to speak of story and to point people, but you are the one who is the the potter. You're doing the hard work of reshaping and remolding and relenting. I pray that you would continue to do that kind of work right here in Kent, Ohio. Please. We ask that you would do immeasurably more than we could ask or even imagine. Thank you for hearing us in that. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.